Welcome in to the Chief Zone Podcast. Hope you're all having a great week. Farzi Masugian here with you to kick off your weekend or maybe it's later on in the weekend and you're making the Chief Zone Podcast part of your weekend. Nonetheless, appreciate you guys making the Chief Zone Podcast part of your weekend. Uh, hope you're all enjoying your delayed Chiefs football weekend. Got a bit of a chance to relax on Sundays. You witnessed a few wins on Sundays and now you get to see... Uh, some Chiefs action on a Monday, and gosh, I've got to say that. And I know ESPN always promotes Monday Night Football each and every single day, and even uh, you know during Monday Night Football's broadcast, they will preview the upcoming uh, Monday Night Football game. But gosh, I mean, ESPN has—they've been having a lot of fun promoting this upcoming game between the Chiefs and Broncos. And given the Mahomes craze that we've seen so far, uh, they're really happy over the fact that this is the time that they get Mahomes after some of the record-breaking weeks he's had in weeks two and three. Perfect time to have him on a primetime game, his first primetime game as a starting quarterback in the NFL as he will go back to Denver, the place where he had his first career start last week in week 17 and gets to go back out there and try to have a better game than he did before. That is the only place where he's thrown an interception in the regular season. So he's got another opportunity to go out there and have a better game. Keep in mind, didn't have any touchdowns, but did have a phenomenal uh, drive in the final uh, uh, final drive of the game uh, that allowed Kansas City to break the tie and get a game-winning field goal to wrap up the regular season for the Chiefs, uh, finishing 10-6. and six. So in another opportunity to do so and have a better game this time around, and given that he's had... More right. And keep in mind, last week he was playing with a lot of backups around him uh, because the Chiefs did rest a lot of their starters. So now Mahomes will have Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, Kareem Hunt, who played a little bit last week in Week 17 just to get the rushing title. But then you add in Sammy Watkins and, of course, the Chiefs offensive line. Uh, they've been playing very well so far this year. So there are a lot of good things to look forward to this time around in the matchup. And boy, I think it's going to be a closer one than some people might anticipate. Uh, because I think Denver, even though they defensively they're off to a really bad start, there are some good things about that defense. And Denver could do some things that could make this game a little bit closer than maybe some of us might anticipate here. So we'll talk about that later on. Benjamin Albright of Mile High Sports, he will join us on the podcast later on. We're going to talk about the Mahomes craze. New MVP odds are out. Spoiler alert, it does include Patrick Mahomes to no one's surprise. We'll look around some of the NFL's unbeaten teams, or just a couple of them, and see uh, what are the odds of, of the Chiefs possibly being the only unbeaten team after week four. Plus, as always, we will do our closing segment. Some fun topics on this episode, so stay tuned for that. If you haven't done so, please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and yes, I mentioned this earlier this month. I promise we do it before the end of the month. Finally got it all figured out on Spotify as well. So I know earlier this year we got the Google Play uh, situation figured out. We're published on there and also now on Spotify. So if you've been listening on iTunes for a long time and you wanted to, or if you just recently started on Google Play, but if you prefer Spotify as uh, as your choice to listen to podcasts, well, now you have that option as well. iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify, the Chiefs on Podcasts, uh, continues to grow because of you guys. It's been a tremendous season. Uh, it really has in terms of the interaction on social media and uh, with all the listeners that we've had during the podcast, uh, during the season. 
uh, in the early moments. So I really do appreciate everyone who has been listening, and it's because of you guys we're able to expand the way we have. So iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify, that is where we are at. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast and you hit the share button as well to spread the word about the podcast. Interact with me on Facebook.com slash Vesugian. That is my Facebook page. Give it a like and follow me on there. We will do a Facebook Live video at halftime and after the game against the Broncos on Monday night. So if, you ha- if you're on the Facebook page, you've already interacted with me on there, and you've... You've interacted during the live videos. Well, just just be around for the for for halftime or after the game. You'll get a notification, and uh, we can talk about the game at halftime and after the game. Uh, you guys can also follow me on Twitter at farzine twenty one plus my email farzine at farzinevasugian All right, let's get right into it. Uh, very little time to waste. A lot to get into. Uh, and as I said, I do want to uh, get to the uh, my conversation with Benjamin Albright as he will be joining us uh, later on in the podcast. But I've, I've got a I've got to start with this Mahomes mania, man, uh, because everyone in Kansas City is really happy. And think of what happened in 2013 when Andy Reid came here. It was his first season as the as the head coach of the Chiefs, and the Chiefs went from a two and fourteen season to going nine and zero. And I remember after their nine and zero start, they had a bye week, and uh, I remember the national media pointed out that during Kansas City's bye week. Uh, in 2013, a year ago that week, the Chiefs got blown out on Thursday Night Football against the Chargers uh, in 2012. And I'm sure that may be hard to remember because the Chiefs got blown out in a lot of games that year, uh, as well as the season before. Uh, but uh, to, to go from that horrible loss against the Chargers to where the Chiefs were at that point, and I still remember just how ecstatic Chiefs fans were during that turnaround, eventually being the final team to lose a football game. And I know we had that same feeling last year when the Chiefs started off 5-0 and as the last unbeaten team. This year, it already feels better than last year. We haven't even reached five games to know if the Chiefs will have a 5-0 and start similar to last year. But what we do know is the fact that this 3-0 start already bigger than last year because of Patrick Mahomes and everything that he has done. Everyone knows about the crazy statistics. I, I've mentioned them on here. You've heard them quite a lot. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to go over uh, any uh, Patrick... Shocker, I know. I'm not going to go over any Patrick Mahomes stats. Uh, a geek like me, not going to bring up any of those. But I want to get into some personal things regarding Patrick Mahomes because he was... He and the uh, backup quarterbacks, uh, Chase Linton and Chad Henney, went to uh, KU Hospital. And as everyone knows... Uh, KU Hospital, uh, an official sponsor of the Kansas City, uh, the University of, of, of Kansas Hospital uh, Health System, uh, the the exact name. But uh, I had a friend uh, who, who works at KU Hospital and, and sent me this video, and I shared it on, on the Facebook page. Uh, when he was walking out of uh, of the hall or heading to the lobby to, to leave along with the other quarterbacks, everybody was just waiting for him. Security had to pave the way and, 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 and clear some some space to let the quarterbacks through. But man, uh, I mean, everyone had their phones out. People were going crazy cheering for the guy. Employees, uh, fans, uh, just anybody who was there pulled out their phone, wanted to get get a high five with him. And I think that moment right there kind of made me realize this is now the point where this kid is being treated like a rock star. He really is. And he mentioned in the press conference how, how nice it was seeing all the fans uh, at KU Hospital on Tuesday, and he also mentioned that uh, he couldn't even hear him. He couldn't hear anything when he was uh, running out of the tunnel in the home opener against the 49ers. Uh, and he was asked if if he feels like if he feels any pressure because 
the city is now riding on his shoulders, and he said he doesn't feel that way at all. And just looking at this guy right now, this kid just turned 23 this month. And he's being treated like uh, like a rock star from the 80s. During that era where, I mean, every musician that year, I mean, a great era of music, of course. But, man, I mean, that's the kind of treatment Patrick Mahomes is getting right now in this town. And you might wonder, well, is this thing going to get to his head? And I actually thought about that too i mentioned that and i've said look he seems like a cool level-headed guy uh but there was really no way uh for, for me to say for sure if it would get to his head but there was a report that came out this week from bleacher report uh, uh from his agency the steinbergs uh that mentioned that mahomes is rejecting all endorsement offers until the off season now to clarify uh i i don't think anyone outside of Kansas city is able to see this but if you live in the Kansas city area and I don't know if this counts for Wichita, probably not. Uh, but if you live in Kansas City, Lawrence, uh, St. Joseph, uh, those areas, uh, you you have probably seen a commercial that he does with Community America Credit Union, where he's throwing a, a, a football uh, at Arrowhead Stadium. That is a team sponsor, so that's not a that's not one of those Adidas, Nike, Under Armour. It's not any of those um, kind of endorsements uh, right there. It's a team sponsor. Uh, so, and, and I'm sure Community America, they could have picked anyone. They went with Mahomes. He was the new QB. They filmed it over the summer, and they're airing it now. Uh, Dan on the Facebook page, and I don't listen to a lot of uh, local radio, but Dan on the Facebook page mentioned that he does a voiceover for Tickets for Less on Sports Radio 810. And I know Sports Radio 810 and Tickets for Less do have a great relationship, and 810 being partners with the Chiefs, and, and they air some uh, some Chiefs coverage uh, uh, exclusive Chiefs coverage on their station, so uh, that connection was probably an easy one to do. Uh, but as far as national endorsements, like uh, like any of the uh, sports apparel that you see out there, as I mentioned uh, a moment ago, or or, or any other uh, big endorsements out there, uh, reportedly pushing them off until the off season because uh, you want to focus on the season right now. So if you had any doubts whatsoever about whether or not maybe this would be too much for a kid at 23, or maybe these things are kind of getting into his head. Well, time to put those concerns to rest. And I've got to tell you, man, I did have some concerns with Patrick Mahomes uh, as the season went along. I, I mentioned, you know, this guy will struggle a little bit with his uh, with dealing with some of the uh, pass-rushing duos. And I know Joey Bosa was out, but still, you never, uh, you never underestimate Ingram. But man, against some really good defenses uh, in a couple of weeks, Patrick Mahomes has played very well, and I think the offensive line deserves a lot of credit for for that. Uh, but this is—I mean—that's that, that, really put my concerns to ease. Thirteen touchdowns, no picks in three weeks. Obviously, a, a record. Those thirteen touchdowns, uh, and, and as well as the ten touchdowns he had the first two weeks, uh, and, and no picks. I, I mean, that's just phenomenal. You—you uh, you cannot ask for much more. He's obviously doing things that have never been done before to start a season. And uh, sure, I mean, this offseason, once Kansas City season is over, which is hopefully not until February, uh, boy, uh, his agency, uh, they are going to be very busy taking a lot of phone calls, answering a lot of emails from every single company out there. And I say that because given the start that he's had, and I mentioned Brett Favre's comments last week, Brett Favre mentioned that it took him a very long time to throw six touchdowns in one game. Patrick Mahomes did it a couple of weeks ago against the Steelers in his second year in the NFL. And knowing that this is just the start of his career, and if he stays in the league, stays healthy, and stays out of trouble, which I which I anticipate will be the case for him, 
He's going to have a, a, a successful career, and everyone's going to want to be a part of it. I mentioned the uh, KU Hospital event where, where everyone just stood by waiting for him to walk by. Everyone just wanted to say that early on in their career, they saw him walk by in the hallway of, of, of KU Hospital, and they got a high five or they filmed him just, just passing by. Uh, and now these endorsements here, they want to be able to say that they've been uh, with Patrick Mahomes since uh, since day one, uh, whenever he uh, starts accepting sponsorships, endorsements at least. Uh, everyone wants to get on on this Mahomes train right now. Everybody. Whether it's Under Armour, if it's Doritos, any company out there, if it's a soda company, everyone wants to get Patrick Mahomes on their side. Because it's going to be great business. That's the kind of player Patrick Mahomes will be. You've seen a lot of guys like, uh, like Rob Gronkowski. Does a lot of endorsements. You see him. And I I wouldn't even rule out the possibility of the Madden uh, cover uh, for, for the video game. And by the way, for people who want to talk about a curse, it's always blown out of proportion. You see teams that even make the playoffs and fans will still uh, talk about a curse with the Madden cover. It, it's never, fans are never going to get out of that. Uh, but I would not rule out the possibility of him being on the cover of Madden next year, given the success that he's had so far. Even so much, and I mentioned everyone wants to have a hand in talking about Mahomes or or at least showing something that no one else will have. The uh, Twitter account Little League Baseball, they released a video this week of him uh, with an RBI in 2010, scoring in a run. Everyone's in on this. And obviously Patrick Mahomes, former baseball player, could have easily been in Major League Baseball. Thank God he chose the NFL instead and came to Kansas City. And it's gotten to the point where a lot of people feel like he could be the best player in the NFL. According to Bavada, a uh, sports betting site, for those who are into sports betting, I'm sure you're familiar with it, or at least have heard of it, he now has the best odds to win the NFL MVP. 3-1 to one odds to win it all. Drew Brees, 11-2 odds. Aaron Rodgers, 6-1. Brady, 9-1. Jared Goff, 14-1. Now, I, I do have to say, this Mahomes craze, this Mahomes mania, whatever you want to call it, it is starting to get a little weird. Because uh, I was at uh, Costantino's, and I believe they have two locations in Kansas City, one in Stillwell and one in downtown Kansas City, uh, very close to where the Sprint Center is, uh, where Power Light, that area. Uh, they have an ice cream flavor called Mahomes Gelato. Patrick Mahomes is now an ice cream flavor. Think about that. Patrick Mahomes is now an ice cream flavor. Now, I don't know if that's allowed. I I, I don't know if if you can use someone as an ice cream flavor. I, I'm, I'm not an expert in this field. Uh, I, I assume you know some of the profits should go to Patrick Mahomes for that. Uh, but it's just red ice cream. I mean, that's all it is. I, I didn't have it. I just I, I I was in line getting ready to pay for my food, and I uh, I noticed I, I saw like some small picture of Patrick Mahomes in the uh, ice cream cartons. So I walked over to see what is that, and it was a Mahomes fl- flavored ice cream. That's all it was. So it's getting to the point. Like I mentioned earlier, everyone wants to have something with Mahomes for their business. Everyone just wants to. And you're starting to see a grocery store now in their ice cream section. They've got Mahomes flavored ice cream on there, of all things. And look, as a Chiefs fan, I'll say something I have not said yet about this Patrick Mahomes deal. 
enjoy the moment, man, uh, because we have suffered a lot in, the, in this town uh, as football fans. We really have. And now you're starting to see things take a turn a bit. And for the time being, I, I mean, the, the Chiefs are the best team in the NFL. They've at least got the best quarterback in the NFL and the best offense, the highest scoring offense in the league. And everybody wants to be excited about this and look down the road. And that's totally fine. The excitement will do that to you. But enjoy the moment too, folks. Because I guarantee a lot of NFL teams out there that are struggling right now with their quarterbacks. Boy, uh, are they looking at Kansas City situation and saying, man, uh, I cannot believe that, that nine other teams passed up on him. One of them took a def- different quarterback. And here we are with uh, with the Kansas City Chiefs. They're the ones dominating defenses with Patrick Mahomes there. So you've, you, you've got to feel very fortunate as a Chiefs fan knowing that he filled your lap at number 10 trading up, of course. And it just feels really good to have him on board. We'll talk to Benjamin Albright a little bit and get, kind of get his perspective on Patrick Mahomes, and by the way, Albright, sure he he, he talks uh, Denver sports, but uh, this guy's a great follow, by the way, for for NFL. Make sure you follow him, Albright NFL on Twitter. I'll mention it again later on, but definitely worth a follow. He'll be joining us in just a moment. But before we get him on, I want to talk some uh, NFL news uh, going outside, and more specifically relating to Kansas City and the fact that the Chiefs are one of three unbeaten teams in the NFL. The Pittsburgh Steelers handed the Tampa Bay Buccaneers their first loss of the season, and coincidentally, Jameis Winston available for Tampa Bay uh, now that his suspension is over with. And by the way, Big Ben won AFC Offensive Player of the Week. Shockingly, not Patrick Mahomes. For the first time uh, this week, this year, uh, Mahomes does not win AFC Player of the Week honors, but hey, uh, can't win them all every week. Uh, not able to do it every single week, but still played a, a, a hell of a game uh, against the 49ers, more so in the first half, but uh, can't go wrong giving that honor to Big Ben as well. Uh, by now, you'll know the result between the Rams and the Vikings. The Rams currently unbeaten, the only unbeaten team in the NFC after Tampa Bay lost. Uh, without a keep play, Marcus Peters uh, playing through his uh, his injury. Uh, surprising enough, but uh, but by now, the, by the time this podcast is out, you'll know if the Rams are still unbeaten or not. Uh, the other unbeaten team out there, the Miami Dolphins, visiting the New England Patriots, which I'll get into a little bit later on. But by the way, the Patriots have a three game homestand. I know that's a baseball term, and you don't usually say that in the NFL, but they've got three straight home games. Uh, playing Miami this Sunday, Indianapolis next Thursday. Uh, for Thursday night football, and then Kansas City on Sunday night football in week six, which should be a very exciting one. Uh, obviously, we'll uh, break that down as we get closer to that. Uh, and Kansas City's got some uh, tough teams coming up. The Patriots, of course, I just mentioned. The Jacksonville Jaguars, I haven't really talked about them much, and their defense and the Rams, uh, one of the unbeaten teams right now, And unless by the time this is out, they they, they fell to the Vikings. Uh, th- this is uh, a schedule that I, I think... The Chiefs will embrace now at this point, especially fans. Uh, you've seen what the Chiefs have been capable of doing. This is going to be a big test for them uh, against a very good defense. There are a lot of holds on this defense, but also a lot of big strengths that we'll touch on later on as we break things down. Uh, last bit of news I want to talk about. No news on the Earl Thomas situation as it was rumored that the Chiefs uh, have been uh, in talks with the Seahawks for, for quite some time, uh, as early as uh, the beginning of August trying to uh, inquire Earl Thomas. Uh, Eric Reed, by the way, who a lot of people thought should be signed, finally signed. Uh, for those who who may remember, he and Colin Kaepernick 
were the ones kind of leading the charge with the uh, the protests during the national anthem. A lot of people thought that Kaepernick would never play again, Reed would never play again, and I know Kaepernick's kind of in a, situ- a weird situation because he's uh, got a lawsuit with the NFL right now. Uh, but uh, Eric Reed, a lot of people wondered if he'd ever get signed in the NFL, and he has been by the Carolina Panthers. Uh, the Chiefs, I'm, I'm sure there was some consideration, but obviously not interested. He was he's been available for a very long time. But Eric Reed going to Carolina. So, uh, and I mentioned the Chiefs, how they can get Earl Thomas. I think they've got to do it. You, you've got to give up some of these draft picks for what you can do. And even if it's just for half a season, I think it's worth it because you've got to do something to improve that secondary, improve this defense, and not allow so many yards. The Chiefs uh, have allowed more yards than any team in the NFL so far this year. And uh, adding Earl Thomas would be huge. And getting Eric, Eric Berry back would be, uh, would be key as well. Which I'll mention right now, Eric Berry did not practice as he continues to recover uh, from that sore heel injury. Nor did D. Ford, who suffered a groin injury in the win against the 49ers this past Sunday. Joining us on the Chief Stone podcast right now, uh, a guy who I've uh, been interacting with uh, for a while on social media, on, on Twitter. Uh, great follow on Twitter, Benjamin Albright. Uh, give him a follow, at AlbrightNFL, uh, with Mile High Sports. Been covering Denver sports there for five years uh, very good sports-minded guy, and uh, happy to have him on. We'll be talk- talking some Chiefs and Broncos here. Uh, first time on the podcast, Benjamin Albright. Thanks for joining us. How are you, man? I'm doing great. How about yourself? Good, good. I, like I said, I know we've been talking for a while, and it's good to finally get you on. Uh, I, I know you're always providing commentary, not just on the Broncos or Denver sports, but a lot of things uh, out there. Uh, with the NFL, and it's always good uh, seeing your thoughts out there. So again, if anyone wants to give Benjamin a follow, it's at Albright NFL on Twitter. Uh, I mean, let's let's get right into it because this is a pretty big matchup for both teams. Uh, the winner of this match could come away uh, with first place in the AFC West uh, after uh, Week Four. Uh, so obviously, a lot on the line, even with despite Denver coming off a loss. And that's actually what I wanted to get into first. They beat Seattle and Oakland in the first couple of weeks, but they're coming off that loss against Baltimore on the road. Well, what is the vibe like with the Broncos right now coming off that first loss of the season? Well, it's a little bit disappointed. Uh, they felt like they could win, um, you know, that Baltimore game. They felt like that was a game that was uh, uh, a game they could have, would have, and should have had, and penalties just kind of cost them. Um, you know, that game in the end, they had several chances. They've been a team that's been very good in the fourth quarter, very good at coming back, uh, you know, after not getting off to, to hot starts, uh, you know, in the first couple of games. But uh, they've been a team that's been very good at coming back. And, you know, they feel like that they should have, could have won that game, and they're disappointed they let a winnable game get away. Yeah, I want to get more into the Denver Broncos with you in just a moment, but I do want to kind of get your perception of, of Patrick Mahomes and the job he's done so far, and uh, I mean, just the uh, the uh, excitement and the exuberance in Kansas City and, and the talk that's been around in the past couple of weeks. I, I'm curious uh, from your standpoint, and if you can maybe represent what some of the other people in, in Denver sports media as well as Denver sports fans, uh, what's the thought of Patrick Mahomes like so far over there? Well, I think everybody thinks he's absolutely been, uh, you know, a, a star early on. Um, you know, I, I thought, I always thought he'd be a star in this league. I just didn't think it happened this fast. Uh, you know, he's been, you know, just, just absolutely dominant, 
uh, over the first couple of weeks of the season. I think everybody's seen that. The fact that he's uh, scoring all these touchdowns, he's got you know no turnovers as far as that kind of stuff goes. And you know, as a young quarterback, it's kind of shocking to see somebody with that that steady of a hand this early on in his career. Uh, it's going to be disappointing to a lot of uh, you know Kansas City fans. I mean, excuse me, Denver fans, because you know they they're a team that drafted a quarterback in the first round a couple of years ago as well, and that didn't pan out for them. But to watch the you know a, a division rival, uh, it's a young quarterback project come out and do very very well. Um, it's it's got to be bitterly disappointing for Denver fans. I've got to ask you, and this is something that I've been discussing a little bit. Do you think that, and I remember when the Chiefs traded up, everyone thought in that moment that it was going to be Deshaun Watson, and people were shocked that it was not Deshaun Watson. And I think Stephen A. Smith and a few other national uh, guys out there criticized Andy Reid for that. But, uh, I mean, you look at everything right now. Do you think, even looking at how Trubisky was taken before Mahomes, who, who Mahomes, by the way, already surpassed Trubisky in career touchdowns, uh, do you think that sometime down the road, the whole uh, Trubisky being drafted before Mahomes could be compared to Alex Smith being taken before Aaron Rodgers? Uh, it could be, very much could be. Um, you know, I always had Pat Mahomes as my my guy that year. Um, I knew the Chiefs were willing to take him, or uh, they wanted him anyway. He was the top quarterback on their board. Uh, so, I, you know, I mean, I could tell you that uh, they were very heavily invested in Pat Mahomes. It had nothing to do with Trubisky, um, you know, for Kansas City. There were several teams that were very interested in Pat Mahomes. I can tell you that if the Chiefs had not traded up for him, the Browns were going to take him at 12. That's why they traded up, because they knew the Browns were very interested in him. So, um, you know, there, there was a lot of interest in Pat Mahomes around the league. It, that particular quarterback class was kind of split. Um, even though the Texans ended up taking Deshaun Watson, he was the number three quarterback on their board. So, just a little bit more on Patrick Mahomes and actually kind of going back to, to Denver for a bit and more specifically Denver's defense. Chris Harris, I believe he was on Fox Sports Radio and uh, he, he praised Mahomes, but he also made a comment saying that Mahomes has yet to go up against a defense like us, referring to the Broncos. I'm curious how you think Mahomes in this high-powered Kansas City offense stacks up against Denver's defense when you've got Von Miller, who's uh, co-leading the league in sacks so far and several other good uh, players on that front seven. Well, there are good players on this team, but unfortunately it's a team that's uh, that's really damaged and dinged up in the secondary, uh, and, and they're struggling right now. Pac-Man Jones, Tremaine Brock both have injuries. Uh, Isaac Yadam is, is very young. So, they, you know, the nickel corner and dime corner are, uh, you know, problems for this team. Um, they've got some decent safety, some decent safety play, but, uh, you know, it's just one of those things where uh, you're lacking bodies, and for a Kansas City team likes to spread you out, go multiple receiver sets, um, it, it, it can, you know, it can be really tough to try to defend that with uh, with Chris Harris, you know, Bradley Rowley, who's kind of just a guy, and then, um, you know, you've got uh, Yadam as the nickel corner who's very inexperienced, so... What's your assessment of Case Keenum through three games so far and considering the, the contract? Because I know that's been something that, and again, I know, uh, you know everyone's quick to judge and you have very little opportunities to prove yourself. And uh, it, it kind of seems like a lot of Denver fans are unhappy with the Case Keenum signing. Do you think it's a little too early or do you think the criticism is just right? I think it's unfair to, to, to hate on that this quick. The guys led two, you know, fourth quarter game winning drives to come back in, you know, in, in three games. Uh, he put them in a position to do it in game three and, and, uh, they got, they have just holding penalties galore and couldn't seem to, uh, couldn't seem to capitalize on it despite him getting the ball down there. So yeah, he's turned the ball over a little bit. There's some concern with that. Um, Specifically with uh, you know the interceptions down the seam route, that's something I would be very worried about or very cautious about if I'm a Denver fan. But the idea that you should give up on Case Keenum this early is uh, is absolutely ludicrous. 
What about the offensive guys like Emmanuel Sanders, Demarius Thomas? Those are guys who have, who've been in uh, Denver for a while and have worked with a lot of different kinds of quarterbacks. Uh, are you seeing them keep patient and even going as far as maybe trying their best to work with Case Keenum and trying to help him out uh, for as long as they can, uh, given their experience here, or, or rather there in Denver for you guys? Well, absolutely. I mean, uh, Case Keenum is the best quarterback the Broncos have had since Peyton Manning was healthy. Um, so it's, you know, it, it, the idea that, that, you know, they're, um, that they're in any way down on him would be incorrect. They're, they're very high on Case. They're trying their best and they want to win games. Mayo Sanders has a great connection with, uh, with Case so far. So, um, you know, they're, they're, they're doing their best. I'm curious, in the uh, short amount of years that Vance Joseph has been in Denver, uh, what's your takeaway on the job that he's done with the Broncos? Uh, you know, it's been some hit and some miss. He's a, he's kind of a player's coach. He motivates pretty well, but, uh, you know, the problem is tactically, I don't think he's up to par. He's been a guy that struggled with in-game decision-making, uh, way too aggressive, taking timeouts at the end of the half and you know, ultimately costing his team points. Um, so, you know, it's, it's hit or miss with him. Couple of questions left with Benjamin Albright of Mile High Sports joining us here on the Chiefs Dump Podcast. Uh, Benjamin, I'm curious to know. I mean, what are the keys to this game for both teams, and what do you think would be the biggest difference maker? Well, I think the key for for Denver is going to be trying to make sure they get to the quarterback quickly. Don't allow them to get set up, and you know, don't allow them to get those bunch, um, you know, rubber out pick plays off that you know that he loves. Uh, you know, stymie the young decision maker. Uh, force the young quarterback to second guess himself on things and make sure you've got good coverage as far as that goes. Uh, you're going to have to, you know, get after the quarterback for tight coverage. Uh, and then you're going to need to score points on offense. No, no penalties, no holding penalties from the tackles, which has had a problem with that dating back to last year. What's your score prediction on this game? Oh, I think Kansas City blows them out. I, I think it's going to be a 38 24 game. Is that, are you the only one that thinks that, or are there a lot of people in Denver media that, that think that as well? Uh, I couldn't tell you. I think most people are. I think Denver media is trying to be cautiously optimistic about the game. I, I'm not. I, I look at this and I see a, a Kansas City team that, unless it shoots itself in the foot, is going to run them out of the stadium. Very interesting stuff. Benjamin Albright, follow him on Twitter at Albright NFL. Uh, Benjamin, like I said, we, uh, we've been in touch for a while. Uh, we've interacted for quite some time, and uh, this is the first time we've uh, had a chance to, to talk on the phone. So great to finally have you on the podcast, and hopefully we can connect uh, down the road again. Absolutely, absolutely, anytime. All right, thanks, Benjamin. Take care. Off he goes. That's Benjamin Albright here on the Chiefs Zone Podcast. A big thanks to him for joining us, giving us a few minutes of his time. Uh, And you got his prediction there, a one-sided game predicted from him with Kansas City winning. I'll give you guys my prediction in just a moment, but let's get uh, more detail in this breakdown here. Let's start with Denver's offense. They're very good on the ground, third in rushing this season as a team. 11th in total offense, 16th right in the middle in throwing the football. Not doing too well when it comes to scoring, uh, about 20.3 points per game. Kansas City, meanwhile, number one in that category, 39.3 points per game. So nearly a uh, a 20-point difference, a 19-point difference exactly uh, in that area. So you know that's going to be a big difference maker in this football game. And and, and how does Kansas City try to uh, bring that points per game average down a little bit? Well, uh, you look at Case Keenum. Hasn't had the greatest start to the season, as we just mentioned with uh, with Benjamin Albright. Three touchdowns, five picks on the season. 743 yards thrown this year, which is 17th most in the league. He's been sacked 
five times. If you want to look at his touchdowns, his three touchdowns I mentioned, all of them came in week one against Seattle in the 27 to 24 win. Also had three picks in that game as well. And kind of an interesting note, I mentioned the uh, five picks and the five sacks. Uh, He's been sacked and he's thrown an interception in every game this season. Kansas City has not had an interception since week one. They're bound to get one this week, considering the rate that the Broncos are going with Case Keenum. Uh, As I mentioned, throwing an interception in every game so far this season. But one of the uh, big spots uh, on the offensive side of the football, Phil Lindsay. And I'll get into the punch that he threw later on. Uh, but as far as on the field, he's ninth and rushing with 198 yards so far in the three games. No touchdowns. Coming off a very, very quiet game. Ran the ball just four times uh, in the loss against the Ravens for just 20 yards. So not a lot uh, on the ground for Lindsey. Uh, as far as some of the receivers, I mentioned Emmanuel Sanders and uh, Demarius Thomas. Sanders... 19 catches for 269 yards, leads the team in both categories. Thomas has 16 for 144. Each of them have a touchdown on the season. Uh, the only other player with a receiving touchdown on the season is, is Lindsey. I mentioned the running back. Uh, not very active, though, in the receiving game. Uh, the one time where he was uh, open in the end zone, uh, they've thrown it to him. Hasn't caught a lot of passes, similar to what you'll see on Randy Reed's offense. Uh, Cortland Sutton. Uh, outside of Sanders and Thomas, one of their uh, main wide receivers, five catches for 91 yards, highest average on the team outside of uh, Tim Patrick's one catch. Uh, but Cortland Sun, one of the guys that they maybe want to get the ball to, considering his high average. Tight end Jake Butt has eight catches for 85 yards. And you look at Denver's offensive line, pretty good offensive line. I think the running game is a big reason for that. Uh, you look at the right side of their offensive line, starting with the center, Matt Paredes, uh, guard Connor McGovern, and uh, tackle Jared Vildier, excuse me. Uh, they're, the, they're a strong right side uh, on that Broncos offensive line. Paredes, the third best center, uh, according to Pro Football Focus, and McGovern, the third best guard, uh, also from PFF. So uh, you've got some some good uh, offensive linemen on that interior side, but more so on the right side for the, for that Denver offensive line. So that's something that the Chiefs are going to have a tough time going up against with that defense on the pass rush. Uh, it hasn't been consistent so far this year. We saw some good things from, from Houston and Ford in the game this past week, but going on the road on, on primetime football in a stadium that, that's, that's always got its fans coming out, especially for these divisional games. Uh, you know that this front seven needs to bring its A game. Uh, definitely has to. Uh, against a uh, against a, a good Broncos offensive line on the road. Again, as I mentioned, primetime football. Switching over to the other side of the football on the defense, 14th in total defense, 22nd against the pass, 4th against the run. And as far as points allowed, 23.3 points per game. That's 23rd in the NFL. Adam Jones, yes, the same Adam Pac-Man Jones, 12th year in the league. He's got a pick. Uh, for the Broncos this season, one of two. Uh, he's questionable, by the way, for Monday's game. Uh, got a hamstring injury, did not play last week in the loss. Cornerback Chris Harris, still still good. Has taken a bit of a step back. Bradley Roby, who was drafted by the Broncos in 2013, he's he's been pretty bad this year. Safeties, Justin Simmons, Darius Stewart, uh, they've been pretty bad as well. Uh, this is a weak secondary that Denver employs. And by the way, Simmons, uh, he also had a pick in week one, uh, just like Jones did. Uh, those are the only two guys who have an interception 
for the Broncos this season. But man, uh, teams have not had a, a difficult time going through this uh, Denver defense. And you look at Kansas City and all the offensive weapons they have, should be very easy for them to do so. You would think. But let's not forget about their front seven. Von Miller, arguably one of the best outside linebackers that we've seen the past few years. He's got four sacks to start off the season. I mentioned earlier, Cole leads the league in that category. Uh, Miller also has two forced fumbles too. So uh, keep that in mind. Bradley Chubb, the rookie lineman, one and a half sacks in his early career. Shane Ray also has one sack, the former Mizzou product and a Kansas City native. Uh, Listen, Denver is 22nd against the pass for a reason. Great front seven with Miller, Ray, and Chubb. And this will be Kansas City's biggest test. This offensive line for the Chiefs uh, has impressed me the most. And you guys might be saying, well, how how do you not put Patrick Mahomes ahead of that? I think the success Patrick Mahomes has had, and I'm not taking anything away from it, obviously. I mean, you guys have heard everything I've said. But I think a big reason he's been able to do what he's been able to do is because of the offensive line and the great protection that they've been providing for Mahomes uh, so far uh, in the three games we've seen so far. And... You know people have been complaining about this offensive line for a long time. And to see them play the way they are. And I mentioned before the season, my biggest concern with this offense is that line. And if they struggle with some of these pass rushers that they, I, that they, I, I thought they were going to struggle against, uh, it could be a, a rough start for Mahomes. But that has not been the case. And this offensive line has done a tremendous job to open up these first three games. So Kansas City's offensive line definitely needs to... Make sure they win the battle at the line of scrimmage. They keep Von Miller in check. Double-team him if you have to. And I know it's not going to be easy because if you double-team him, it makes it a little bit easier for guys like Shane Ray or Bradley Chubb to to sneak through the cracks and get to Mahomes. And that's something you you don't want to let happen uh, throughout the game. But given Denver's weak secondary, I think this is going to be a great opportunity for Patrick Mahomes to sling the ball a little bit quicker than he's usually uh, had uh, to work with so far earlier. We, we've seen Mahomes be given time in the pocket and move around when he needs to, and he'll move around only when he has to. Uh, but I think in this game, it'll be a rough one for Mahomes. And I'm not statistically speaking. I, I still think he does well. It's hard to anticipate when exactly he'll throw his first interception. Maybe it happens in this game. Maybe it doesn't. Uh, if I had to put money down, I think it could happen. That streak could end in this game on Monday night. Uh, proving that he is human after all, but still, I think he has a good game out there. Uh, I, I think given Denver's front seven and that weak secondary, I think Mahomes is going to have to do a lot of quick passes. I'm sure the Chiefs have practiced that a lot this week, knowing that Denver's going to bring the heat and try to pressure Mahomes, which is something that not a lot of teams have really been able to do to him so far this year. So Denver's hoping to be the first team that does that. And if Kansas City's offensive line can can just keep Miller and company in check. Mahomes just has to figure out, you know, what's the best read and what's the best pass to make against that weak secondary. You've got Kelsey, you've got Hill, you've got you've got Watkins, and you've even got Conley, who's got two touchdowns on the season. DeAnthony Thomas and Demarcus Robinson have been contributing, as has uh, Demetrius Harris a little bit. And maybe there's a game where the running backs maybe shine a little bit more. Uh, we saw last week uh, just how active Spencer Ware was in that game, as well as, as well as Williams, excuse me. So you know the Chiefs have that ability to to really use anybody in the passing game. And I think this is going to be a very pass-heavy offense this week, given the fact that Denver is fourth against the run. And look, 
Maybe this is going to be one of those games where the Chiefs try to surprise the Broncos when they least expected it and let Kareem Hunt go off for a big game. He's overdue for a, for a good football game. We haven't seen him go off in a while, obviously. That was the biggest story last year. So uh, may, maybe we see a little bit of that, but I, I I wouldn't expect too much of that. I think Kansas City will really use that passing game to try to get through and put up points on Denver's defense. Looking at their special teams real quickly, Brandon McManus, a perfect 4-for-4 four four with a 53-yarder, two field goals out from 50s. Pro Bowl punter Marquette King has the fourth most punts with 17, but hasn't performed like a Pro Bowler this season, been below average compared to the rest of the punters in the NFL uh, as far as return duties go, nothing too impressive for the Broncos. Six punt returns from Jones and Hamilton, each with three, and only two kick returns this season. Uh, one from Booker and one from Lindsey for the Broncos. So overall, given everything, I think Kansas City's offense will have to use some quick passes. We may not see some of those deep passes that we like to see to Tyree Kill or to Sammy Watkins. So I think you're going to see a lot of quick passes. I think Travis Kelsey has the biggest game for the Kansas City Chiefs, and I think he'll have... Uh, a game where he has you know eight or more c- catches for a hundred or so yards and could get into the end zone uh, maybe more than once and I think maybe you use Tyreek Hill for some of those short passes and utilize the screenplay a little bit more to use your offensive line to get to some of those linebackers and let Tyreek Hill outrun uh, some of these guys in the secondary that have struggled so far this year so I think maybe you'll see some of that as well in this football game, but I think Patrick Mahomes will be fine. Uh, he, he may get sacked a couple of times, uh, maybe even throw an ill-advised pass that goes for an interception, uh, and that'll happen against a good defense uh, like Denver's. Uh, I know statistically speaking, it's not it's, it's, it's not a good defense, but they've got some playmakers there that can really change the complexity of a football game. Let me just say this. I, I think this defense kind of reminds me of Kansas City in t- 2007 when they had Jared Allen and Tom Bahali, but not a lot of playmakers in the rest of the defense. They made guys like Ty Law and Patrick Sertan, guys who had great careers before they came to Kansas City, uh, look average when they were actually really bad uh, during their time with the Chiefs. Uh, Sammy Knight as well, I'll throw his name out there. So uh, this is a, a defense, uh, a Broncos defense that reminds me a lot of Kansas City's in 2007, where if Jared Allen does have a monster game, that could be a difference maker. And if Von Miller has something similar like that, maybe the Broncos can make this a closer game and maybe even pull off the upset if they want to. Offensively, gosh, they have to go run heavy. If they throw the ball 30 times with Case Keenum, uh, they're either crazy or they're playing from behind. Uh, given Kansas City, how, how they've struggled historically against a run recent decades, uh, I mean, you've got to make Lindsay active in this football game. That's what you have to do to get through Kansas City's defense and put up some points on the scoreboard. But I think Kansas City is going to put up a lot more points on the offensive side to the point where the Broncos might need to eventually abandon the running game and start going pass heavy in the second half. I've got Kansas City winning this one 28-10 on the road on Monday Night Football and remaining unbeaten. We'll see if any other teams Remain unbeaten. We'll actually talk about one of them in just a moment. But I've got my score right there, 28-10. to 10. Let me know your thoughts. Facebook.com slash Farzine Vesugian. Twitter.com slash Farzine21. And my email, Farzine at FarzineVesugian.com. And a reminder, we will do a Facebook Live video at halftime and after the game. So make sure you like the page and log on Facebook at halftime and after the game. You'll get a notification and join me for the Facebook Live videos. Time to wrap up the show. Let's go around the NFL.
And I'll tell you what, I know a lot of people are big on this Patriots start to the season one and two. Everyone talking about this, and quite honestly, a lot of people are happy about it. Anytime you can see a team like this that's formed such an amazing dynasty in the past two decades struggle like this, everyone's going to have their... They're going to take advantage and jump on this. They're going to. And listen... I don't think it's going to last very long. Yeah, sure, they play the Miami Dolphins and a Patriots win, I guess, record-wise, benefits the Chiefs uh, if you want to look at the AFC standings. But listen, I think Miami will, will will struggle sometime down the road a little bit. I'd rather Miami win this game. I know that doesn't benefit Kansas City, but trust me when I say the Patriots are going to bounce back. Do you know how many times this has been discussed? The, the Patriots were 2-2 two and two last year. Obviously, one of those losses came against Kansas City. And everyone thought that it was over for the Patriots. Look at 2014, coincidentally, and also a commonality from that uh, uh, rough start in 2014. Also a loss, a blowout loss to Kansas City that led to people wondering what's going to happen to this uh, dynasty if it's over with Tom Brady or not. It's not over. The Patriots, for whatever reason, once in a while do tend to struggle to start off a season. And I'm not sure exactly where you point the finger, who you blame for all of that. But I don't think you really need to blame anyone because both years the Patriots still ended up going to the Super Bowl so maybe this is exactly what the Patriots want I know in the moment it doesn't feel right uh, but if you like the way that that history has gone for the Patriots if if you're a Boston sports fan uh, man uh, maybe this is exactly uh, where where, uh, Patriots fans want to be at this moment I'm not saying just because it's happened recently that'll happen every single time if it if it starts off like this That'd be like saying every 1-5 in five Chiefs start will result in what happened in 2015. And, I, and that's not what I'm saying at all. Uh, I think at the end of the day, we've got to remember, this is still a football team coached by Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. These two guys, as long as they are in New England, this team should never be counted out, and nor should they ever be underestimated. I do see the Patriots bouncing back. I still see them winning the AFC East, but... It is fun to recognize the fact that the Cleveland Browns, for the time being through three weeks, have a better record than the New England Patriots. And another team off to a surprising start, the Pittsburgh Steelers, obviously a 1-1-1 start. Le'Veon Bell of the Steelers, uh, still a lot of drama going on. Now trade talks have been brought up. Steelers entertaining the idea of trading him away. Former Steelers linebacker James Harrison he had a very interesting suggestion. He said Le'Veon Bell should return and then fake an injury to avoid games. Would that actually work? Would that actually work? I, I really don't know. Uh, I'm not exactly sure how that would pan out, but hey. Uh, I mean, James Harrison's a well-respected linebacker. Obviously had a phenomenal career. Uh, I, I think he knows what he's talking about, maybe. I don't know. Um but James Harrison threw that suggestion out there. Listen, it's a very yucky situation in Pittsburgh. It really is. Uh, man, I mean, they really needed that win last week on primetime football. Roethlisberger, of course, winning AFC Offensive Player of the Week. And they did it against an undefeated team on the road on, on primetime. Uh, something that the Steelers really needed. And again, like I said with the Patriots, I'm not, I'm not counting this team out. Yeah, sure, off to a really terrible start, but... Uh, this is also a team that, that will bounce back, and I think both the Patriots and the Steelers will make the playoffs by the time the season, the regular season, is over. Uh, final subject on this segment, Clay Matthews surpassed his career uh, for roughing, uh, roughing the passer penalties, uh, or at least has, has surpassed the halfway mark 
compared to his career. He had he's had four in his career. He's already got three this season in three weeks. Uh, the most notable one was this past week when Alex Smith he he sacked Alex Smith. Obviously, a former Chiefs quarterback. We're all familiar with him. But it was a fair sack, man. And even Redskins announcers, Redskins fans, Redskins media members, uh, even the I mean, Redskins public relations guys all agreed that it was a terrible call. And that should have been awarded as a clean sack. Yes, by rule, it is a great call. It, it's the right call. It's a terrible rule. And, and I, I think... I think most fans are aware of this, but I think very few are unaware. This is not bad officiating. No, not, not one bit. This, this is actually great officiating. It, it, and sometimes we do tend to forget some of the rules, such as when Roethlisberger crossed the line of scrimmage a couple of weeks ago against the Chiefs, or at least we thought he did, but he still had one foot behind, which is how it works. Uh, but, but this was actually a good call by the officials here. It's just a really horrible rule. And I mean, there are, Comedic videos online about uh, you know people playing flag football in the backyard and, and how they sack a, a quarterback. They they pick him up and they gently lay them down. That's essentially what it's coming down to. Breland speaks the the rookie for the Chiefs out of Ole Miss. He had a sack on Chase Daniel in the preseason game in Week Three and was penalized for it. That was one of the notable uh, uh, penalties uh, from the preseason, a, 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 a controversial one. And I'm not sure exactly what the uh, solution is here. Because the league stands by what they've done with the rule change. And I don't know if that's if they're going to change their minds anytime soon. Lots of play, Even Redskins players after the game said that it was a clean sack for Clay Matthews. It sh- or at least that's how it should have been. Uh, again, by rule, it, it was the right call, but that's a horrible rule. Uh, I'm not exactly sure what the league is trying to do. Clay Matthews has been on the receiving end of... These penalty flags, and uh, unfairly too. I mean, now these defensive players, the way that they have been taught to play football in Little League, Pop Warner, high school, college, and now it's completely different in the NFL. And look, even in college, they've they've really been strict on this. And I'm starting to wonder: is it is it just complete crap to play defense now? Because these defensive players, they have to allow opportunities for guys to be able to protect themselves or be able to be a runner and then you can hit the the the, the ball carrier it's really giving offenses almost all of the advantages in the world and listen a defensive penalty is so crucial I mean it's an automatic first down even if it's just five yards 10 yards 15 yards uh I mean it, it is just frustrating for defensive guys and that really does change the uh, complexity of the football game uh with, with those defensive penalties and with these new rules, because whenever players want to adjust their bodies and make sure they're not going to be called for roughing the passer, well, guess what? A mobile quarterback like Alex Smith will find a way to dodge that and get through. Patrick Mahomes, same thing. Uh, he'll find ways to evade uh, uh, defensive players, pass rushers uh, with his mobility. So this is really an unfair call to a lot of defensive players, and it definitely helps out. Uh, just about every offense, and even more if you have a mobile QB like Patrick Mahomes. Uh, I mean, as great as it is, as that sounds for Chiefs fans, listen, we all love the game to be played in a fair way, and this is going to be something that really hurts a lot of defensive football teams. And look, I, I think even the Chiefs need to be careful with that because the Chiefs aren't a very good defensive team to start off the season. The last thing you want are these controversial penalties that would hurt your, hurt your defense even more. So I, I I don't know where the NFL goes from here, but they have to 100% look at this. I think you can still 
be strict on these hard hits, uh, helmet-to-helmet hits, these kinds of things. You can still be strict on that and not lose the integrity of this game from a defensive standpoint. There are ways around this, and it's the NFL's job, the, the, the people who run the league, to figure out how to do it. Let's go out of bounds. You know, I get a lot of these athletes in, in college or, 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 or younger. Uh, you know, these are guys who have not yet developed full maturity. They're, they're young adults. They're kids. They're, they're still growing and learning here. And a lot of times their feelings can be hurt, such as Clemson quarterback Kelly Bryant, who said he's going to transfer out of Clemson after being demoted, calling it a, quote, slap in the face. Now, listen, I can understand his frustration, but look, you have to realize, why were you demoted? Why are you being dropped in the depth? Is it possible that head coaches in sports make bad moves? Yes, absolutely. Happens all the time. And they suffer the consequences for it with, with their job uh, at some point. Uh, but, but look at the situation in Alabama with, uh, and I hope I pronounced his name pr- uh, correctly, uh, Tua Viola, I believe has, is how you say it. That's a guy who replaced Jalen Hurts in that championship game last year uh, against Georgia and led Alabama to victory in that game. And a lot of people were talking about, oh man, well, I'm feeling for Jalen Hurts. I'm not. Tua went out there, did a much better job, and Alabama needed to do that in order to win the game. And I, it comes in a, a team that's been in the national championship recently with Deshaun Watson. They're doing similar things, and they want to make sure that they can still be one of the top football programs out there. And they feel like with that quarterback switch, uh, demoting Kelly Bryant, that's the right move for them. Now, is that going to be the right move from a national standpoint? I don't know. Uh, and I'll be honest, I don't follow enough college football to really comment on this too uh, to the full extent, but I will say this, like I said in the beginning, you've got to understand why a switch is made in the depth chart. A lot of times these coaches, I mean, sure, there are some bad ones, but a majority of them really know what they're doing when they pick a new starter or demote someone to be a backup uh, or, or, or put them even lower on the depth chart. They know what they're doing. And I think at the end of the day, you've got to look at yourself in the mirror and understand what were your weaknesses and what can you do. You have every right to want to transfer out, but you've got to understand why that's the case and what can you do to overcome that, whether you want to stay there and get your job back or if you want to go succeed elsewhere. Hey, I mean, these players have the right to that. Uh, just got to make sure they understand why those things happen. All of these really do happen for a reason. Speaking of things happening for a reason... Fortnite has led to a lot of divorces, and at least 200 couples have filed for a divorce since the start of this calendar year in the UK. Okay, now I said at the beginning of the week I was going to play Fortnite, or at least try to find Fortnite out there. I I was going to see if you could rent a digital version of it, but I, I can't. I've seen videos, but it's just not the same as trying them. I don't understand the uh, hype around this Fortnite game. I really don't. A couple of you guys tweeted me about this. I, I, I still don't get this game. I want to play it just so I can at least get an understanding of it. Um, but man, uh, I, I, I'm really shocked at just how much this game has overtook a lot of people's attention. Because there have been videos out there of people not paying attention to their wives or their girlfriends. And they're watching the TV. I, I think I saw one, and I think this one was staged. But uh, this wife 
films her husband every time she plays Fortnite and uh, you know plugs the TV off or glues the uh, PlayStation 4 controller to 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 to, uh, to a lunch tray and not letting him play it comfortably. I mean, you're starting to see things like this. Uh, and again, I think that's more comic relief than reality, but it doesn't take away from the fact that a lot of couples probably feel that way. I mean, look, video games are meant to be fun. They really, I, I mean, I play a couple of games. I don't play a whole lot. Generally, I only have time during the weekends, but man, uh, I mean, there are a lot of people who maybe play video games a bit more than they should. And given that video games are more and more popular, especially with the graphics and the uh, online technology, you're starting to see kids be addicted more and more, and it's uh, affecting their performance in school, their social life. Uh, maybe they play less sports because of that, and that's something that parents need to be careful with. That way they don't end up you know, hurting their uh, social life down the road. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I'm not a video game expert. I'm not a, I'm not a sociology expert. I, I'm really not, but I, I don't think it takes an expert to realize that excessive video gaming does lead to bad things socially unless you don't care to have a social life great um but if you want to avoid that you've got to have some limitations i think a lot of kids were taught that from their parents even though they may have hated that such as me as a kid but you learn later on there's a reason for that final thing i want to talk about here uh this luggage tosser in uh, manchester's airport uh second time we've mentioned the uk on this segment uh, very carelessly doing so. He's actually tossing them aggressively into the cart to the point where they actually fall off from the backside. He doesn't realize this because he's got um, he, he's got those noise-canceling headphones, uh, as a lot of these air- airport employees do when they work outside the plane. Uh, then eventually, after a few luggages, he realizes that there aren't any luggages on the cart and they're all falling off from the back. And I, I see this with... Um, with airport employees when they take luggages and how aggressive they toss them around. Not as aggressive as this guy, but look, and I understand what a lot of people are saying. Well, they're pretty heavy. Why don't you go do it? I think they get paid well enough to at least do that. And I don't know exactly what the what the hourly rate is for that kind of job, but it does say in the job description, hey, you've got to make sure you can lift uh, luggages at, at this weight or up to, up to this weight. Uh, so surely they know that in the job description, and you never know what people are carrying. I, I mean, anytime I take my iPad or my laptop, I always carry that w- with me, like put it in my backpack and take it on the plane. Uh, I know some people will leave some valuable electronics or some fragile items in their luggage, and I just think that's a bad call because you never know who could be handling your luggage and, and, and just how it moves around sometimes. It's always better to keep that stuff on you, but... Uh, look, I, I think at the end of the day, you've got to, if this luggage tosser is not fired, I, I don't know how anyone like that could lose their job because you are carelessly, aggressively throwing, uh, people's, people's luggage. I, I mean, that's what they have in their life for the next few days or however long they're traveling and you're being careless about it and you've got to show more, uh, care about other people's property. So if this if this guy doesn't get fired, I don't know what could, what what could lead this guy to losing his job or anyone that does anything similar uh, for a living. Final segment of the show. Let's throw some penalty flags. Alex Smith was shown on the sidelines during the Packers and Redskins game. And in the background, you can see Jordan Reed of the Redskins making a dumb move to a fan. Essentially, he's making a uh, sexual gesture to a fan 
uh, in his own home stadium. It could have been a Packers fan, maybe. I don't know. But regardless, I don't care who it was. That's uncalled for. And nowadays in the NFL, when you see, I mean, Travis Kelsey a couple of years ago got penalized for something very similar by the league uh, when he had that gesture he met for Von Miller. Uh, but but now that this stuff, you see more and more. Cameras are everywhere, man. It's pretty crazy. Like you think there there are fifty three players on both sides and a lot of coaches on both sides, and that camera shots could be anywhere. Look, a camera is not on every player. Uh, but it almost feels like it. It really does. Uh, terrible move by Jordan Reed. And you have to realize, look, you're at a public field. There are hundreds of cameras out there, whether it's uh, still photographers or uh, videographers uh, or, or even the live broadcaster uh, broadcasters with the camera operators there. Um, there are lots of cameras and, and just lots of ways you could be caught there. And don't forget... People who take pictures from the stands or videos from the stands. And nowadays, everything gets caught. So to make a gesture like that out in the public like that, just a horrible move. It's silly, just unprofessional and immature, too, at the end of the day. Dumb move by Jordan Reed. Here's another dumb move. It comes from Broncos running back Philip Lindsay, who threw a punch at a Ravens defender and was ejected for this. Uh, in doing so. So what happened was Case Keenan was sacked and he fumbles a football. And obviously when there's a fumble, there's obviously going to be a big dog pile. So every single Broncos and Ravens player, just about, I mean, they were on top of this football trying to get it. And you know that still when this is happening, when no, when it has yet to be determined who has the football, other players are going to jump in this pile to try to get the football. Well, Case Keenum is just sitting there right next to the pile when a Ravens player accidentally bumped into him because he's trying to get the football and Philip Lindsay throws a punch at this Ravens player and that's what caused the uh, the, the ruckus and, and, and the flags to be thrown and, and obviously his ejection too from that. Look, blame your quarterback. Why is he sitting, doing nothing, looking away from... The, I mean, his back is completely to the pile where the fumble is. You're just sitting there either... Try to get the football or get the hell out of the way. If, if you're that sensitive and you don't want to get injured as a quarterback of your team, fine. Just, you know, if someone bumps into you, you can't, you can't be upset about it. Similar to what people were saying with Jimmy Garoppolo uh, running into Steven Nelson. So, I mean, you, you can't blame Nelson for that. I, I, th- I was kind of nervous maybe that the league would, but I don't know. Uh, everyone has their own thoughts sometimes, but... Uh, there was no reason for Case Keenum to just sit there right next to the pile, unless he was completely oblivious, which I find very difficult to do, that there was a pile next to you when you don't even have the football in your hand. You know you fumble and people are going to be fighting for it, so either fight with your team or move out of the way, man. Uh, Because if you don't, someone's going to bump into you, and it is not their fault if you get hurt for that. I actually have a bigger issue with this. This is an even dumber move. This comes from the Buffalo Bills social media team. Could be an intern. Could be uh, the social media coordinator. I mean, every uh, sports franchise, a lot of businesses, they either hire an intern for the social media or they do designate someone as the uh, social media operator. Uh, But nonetheless, uh, someone from the Buffalo Bills social media team, they took a screenshot of predictions from ESPN that were unanimously picking against the Buffalo Bills. Obviously, the Bills won and they defeated the Vikings. 
And the Bills basically tried to rub it in and say, well, uh, basically trying to call the uh, ESPN pundits dumb. Man, I mean, how dare those ESPN pundits pick against the Bills after two horrendous games to start the season? How dare ESPN do that? People get so uptight about predictions, and I think it's really ridiculous. I, I, I don't get why fans do this. I really don't. It's just a prediction. Try picking all the games in a single week and see if you're going to be be correct or go 16 of 16 or however many games take place now that we have bye weeks coming into play you're not going to i've been picking games every week and i don't go perfect it's so difficult to do people don't realize that you think you know everything you think you know how the games are going to go until you see it how it all unfolds on the gridiron and and then you have fools from the buffalo Bills social media team bragging about it you know what i think the bills I, i should take away the flag i think the bills need to brag as much as they can because quite honestly I don't think they're going to have a lot of wins this season. So, hey, enjoy this while you can because you're not going to have very many of them this season. And by the way, I, while we're on the topic of the Bills, they did make that quarterback switch bringing in their rookie. And you're starting to see it more and more. Baker Mayfield now the starting quarterback for the Cleveland Browns. You're seeing the Arizona Cardinals make their switch as well. Uh, Sam Darnold's been playing for the, for the Jets for a while now. Uh, you're starting to see that. And rightfully so. A lot of these teams traded up to get their quarterbacks. You look at the Bears, the Chiefs, and the Texans last year. They traded up. And I know the Chiefs situation a little bit different because they had a Pro Bowl QB. And maybe Patrick Mahomes sitting for a year ended up benefiting him. I don't know exactly the uh, the science or the uh, details as to why he's playing so great and how much sitting for one year had a hand in that. But uh, that, that's just the way it ended up going. Uh, but nonetheless, all of these teams traded up for their quarterbacks. So it makes sense that Kansas City eventually traded away their Pro Bowl QB to get their young QB up and running and and playing for them. So it all makes sense that you see now all of these other uh, teams that have rookie quarterbacks starting to use them because they all traded up to get them in the top 10 and you got to start seeing them on the field and you're starting to see it pay off like a a team uh, in the the Browns, the comeback they had with Baker Mayfield. You look at the Jets and and the couple of the wins that they've had or the one win they had against the the Lions. Uh, So you got to start doing that, uh, especially if you invest so much in these QBs. Uh, and this could be this has the potential to be a really good draft class. You look at Mahomes, and if Mariota bounces back, and if Winston can stay out of trouble, some of the young QBs taken in recent years, uh, these guys could be uh, the uh, staple QBs for quite some time. But none of them obviously uh, been able to uh, accomplish what Mahomes has been able to do in the first couple of weeks to start the NFL season. So very good to see that a lot of these. Uh, rookie QBs or young quarterbacks now, if you include Mahomes, uh, that they're out there in playing a lot more for the teams that traded up to get their quarterbacks. That'll do it for this edition of the Chief Zone Podcast. Big thanks to all of you guys for taking the time to download and listen to the podcast. Big thanks to Benjamin Albright of Mile High Sports for joining us here on the Chief Zone Podcast, giving us his analysis for the Monday Night Football game and his prediction for the matchup uh, to wrap up week four. If you guys haven't done so yet, interact with me on Facebook and Twitter, facebook.com slash Vasugian. That is my Facebook page. Give it a like. Follow me on Facebook. We will do a Facebook Live at halftime and after the game on Monday Night Football. So be sure you do hit the like button on Facebook. You guys can also follow me on Twitter at Farzine21. That's the tweet machine. Follow me on there. Email me, Farzine at FarzineVasugian.com. Also, if you haven't done so, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Google Play. 
as well as hitting that share button helps the podcast out greatly. Appreciate all of you guys with all the downloads and interactions so far in the 2018 season. Been tremendous and definitely have enjoyed every moment of it. And it's easier to enjoy uh, when the team is succeeding like this. So all the talk has been a lot of fun. And hopefully the Chiefs continue that this weekend in Denver. We will have the recap podcast out Tuesday. So be on the lookout for that a day later. And then we will have the preview podcast against the Jaguars up and running on Thursday. So it's going to be a quick turnaround that week. So uh, a couple of episodes coming out within a short amount of time. So be on the lookout for that. Once again, big thanks to all of you guys for downloading and listening to the podcast. Enjoy your week and enjoy the Chiefs game. Talk to you guys on Tuesday.